Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, Bianca. How are you? Very well. Thanks so much, Sandra. Whereabouts are you today? Are you at the home office or out and about? Where are you? Home office today. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to talking with you and sharing your, I guess, your story as part of this interview series about women that have made significant change in their career, their work life after the age of 40, because a lot of people that get to that point, particularly women, start to tell themselves, oh, it's a bit late for me now, it's too late, I've, you know, and all the stories that they tell themselves. And so I really want to just flood those people with all these examples of stories of different ways and reasons why people have made the change to show what's possible. So I'm excited about sharing your story. Fantastic. It's my pleasure. <laughs> so what about we start off with, can you just share, what is it that work-wise that you have done in the past? Where, where have you come from? Wow. Um, <laughs> how far do you want me to go into the past? <laughs> Maybe don't um, go back to primary school. <laughs> no, 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 no. We won't go there. <laughs> um, well, my career started in uh, banking in retail banking initially, and then that moved into corporate banking, especially when I moved to Australia about 24 years ago. Right. And, um, and that was quite an interesting career. I must say, when I look back at it, it was, um, very, very structured Mm -hmm. at that time, highly secure. Yep. It was when you say highly secure, you mean in terms of ongoing employment? Or, yeah, ongoing yeah. employment, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And very well respected in those days too. Yeah, right. Okay. And were you someone that had always wanted to get into finance or was that something that just sort of came about and you just yeah. landed in it? The last bit. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be a nurse. Oh, okay. So that's very, very different. And that didn't eventuate. So, and then, yeah, I did some various jobs after high school and a year or so later I landed in uh, retail banking and really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved the environment and helping people with their finances and serving them in that way. Yep. And when I moved to Australia, I thought it would be an easy transition going from having worked at the Rabobank in the Netherlands for six years. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, when I moved to Australia, I can easily work for the Rubble Bank in Australia. You would think so. But that didn't work that way. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I started again in retail banking, but more the head office part of the retail banking. And that was at um, St. George Bank at the time when they merged with Advanced Bank. So that's how far back that goes. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and that just progressed from there. So I moved along and did my sort of diplomas and certificates and internal learning with various banks, including Macquarie Bank. And 
then I moved into the, the investment banking space and financial planning. Okay, so that's sort of like yeah. an extension of just different directions within the finance and banking sector. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. And it was sort of probably more from my perspective a comfort zone as well because I knew the industry so well. Yes. You know, and when you're then looking for the next opportunity, it, it, you sort of remain in that space. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, so so that was just easy. It was very easy transitions into investment banking as well. You know certain people already in the industry and, yeah, that just moved from one to the other. And um, the last role I had in banking, you know, in that sense, was a role that actually got me to work for Macquarie Bank, where mm-hmm. I then was introduced to coaching. Um, at Macquarie Bank was the first time I, off- I was offered a leadership role and they had an internal coaching course. And when they were teaching me that, I was sort of thinking to myself, mm, all the skills that they're talking about, I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that I didn't realize that there was a specific role laid out as a coach for the things that I was already doing with my team. Yeah. So that was quite an an interesting revelation for me. That coaching existed as a profession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because when I left radio, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was on the hunt, I guess, looking for what was going to be next for me. And I sort of fell into or accidentally found out that coaching existed as a thing like I just Mm. similarly I'd been in leadership roles for me for quite a while and hadn't quite realized that this was that there was a whole profession there was a whole industry saying that it was quite a long time ago so fairly early in the coaching realm in Australia anyway Um, but it's interesting isn't it how you can be in a in a bubble for you your bubble was finance for me my bubble was radio and there's all these things that are out there that you don't necessarily know exist Linking back to what you said about your internal transitions within banking into, you know, from retail to corporate to investment and those sort of easy transitions. Um, Can I ask on that, Mm -hmm. when you were transitioning from different parts of either the uh, company or the industry, what was prompting that? Was that you having a, a an inkling of wanting a change was that a natural part of the you know process of ongoing employment what was the catalyst behind those sort of internal moves do you think with hindsight oh with hindsight I like to work on a variety of projects mm-hmm. and I find myself in in a situation where I feel okay I've been there done that what's next okay right you know, doing the same thing for years on end, that would not be my absolute motivation. No, I, I, I would probably be very, very bored. Yes, I get it. That. So, so for me, it was always looking for that next thing. Yeah. And always looking out for, okay, what else can I do? How else can I change this? What, you know, what can I do to have more joy out of this and things yes. like that? Okay, so, cool. Um, and that's how I also ended up in all these different roles. But then I started learning more about, the leadership styles and how you can actually motivate people in a workplace. And with these newfound coaching skills, that was all about, okay, I can actually grow in this and having different employees to work with. Those became my little projects in itself. So uh-huh. that was my variety there. <laughs> yes. Tick variety boxes ticked now with the exactly, leadership exactly. role. Yeah. So that's when you discovered 
that sort of uh, leadership coaching space existed mm-hmm. and then then what happened um for me it was really exploring that more by doing a quote coaching qualification okay so back in 2004 i did my life coaching uh, qualification initially which was a cert four at the time mm-hmm. um, and then I advanced into business coaching as well so while I was still working full-time I already started coaching people outside of work as well and so was the of, sorry yeah, to interrupt I just many questions <laughs> um, okay. the decision uh, to do the qualification yeah. was that coming from a place of I'm wanting to keep building my skills as a leader and know I can apply this to myself and to my team or was there a, a thinking at that time, hey, this is a direction I'd like to go in my professional life? Mm. Yeah, absolutely that because I've I always known that I could not work for other people for a very long time. Okay. You know, I, I'm quite independent mm-hmm. and I always wanted to create my own policies and rules and things like that okay I I I still remember this one incident I had at work with my upline he actually told me I was quite hard-nosed (laughs) because I make up my mind how I want to do things you know it's pretty hard to convince me otherwise yeah um unless you come from a very strong you know sort of facts and figures and why we need to change things yes so um how did you feel about that feedback um now, when I look at it, I think it's quite a good trait that I have mm-hmm. because I now see it as, okay, I am hard nosed, but it also means that I have my boundaries Yes, and I need them now, mm-hmm. you know, um, my personal boundaries. But at that time I just said, well, you know, I can't help it. I'm from the Netherlands. So <laughs> <laughs> it comes with the territory. You know, I say my truth and, and, you know, you take it or leave it. So. Yeah. But um, but that was quite a conflict between that person and myself, mm-hmm. and that was also one of the reasons why I left Macquarie Bank at the time. Right. And um, and then I did an interesting sidestep, and I, you know, in hindsight, when you look back at it, at the at the point, I was like, why am I doing this? But I actually wanted to <laughs> pursue the role in executive, being an ex- executive assistant. And hang on, what? <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> So coming from a leadership space and I'm thinking, I need something completely different. So let's dive into that. And I ended up in the strata industry, working for a strata manager as an executive assistant. Well, that didn't last very long. No, I cannot imagine that being a good fit. (laughs) And, uh, but you know what? Things happen for a reason. And sometimes you are being guided to do things that you sometimes have no clue why you're doing them. Yes. Because that's where I met my wife. Ah. So, <laughs> so that was all meant to happen at the time. Yes. You just know, had to do this but... experimental executive assistant role in order to meet the love of your life. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> so that was all perfect in the end. Um, but I didn't last long there. I was there probably for about six or seven months mm-hmm. when I thought, you know, this is definitely not for me. Yep. And, uh, and that's how I ended up in financial planning and worked for an investment bank for quite a – for an investment company – um, for a few years and again in a leadership role but it was a smaller organization mm-hmm. 
And that was very interesting for me too, because I've always worked for large corporations. And what were some of the big differences that you noticed? Because I think sometimes that's an interesting observation to make about even though you're in the same industry, mm-hmm. what were the things that you felt were different in those environments? Um, for me, the big difference was that you're not a number. Uh-huh. You were actually really considered and part of a team. Also, the fact that your input is being appreciated. Yes, and actually listened to, that was a, a big eye-opener for me as well. Yeah, with the, with the smaller organisation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so then what happened? How long did you stay there for? Um, I stayed there for about four years mm-hmm. and then I left because at the time with um, an ex of mine, I actually wanted to move or I didn't want to, but we were supposed to move to Singapore and that didn't happen because I wanted a divorce. So, <laughs> But that's a whole different story. We're okay, for, that. for a whole other podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We can talk about that over a bottle of wine, Sandra. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> but um, so so that didn't happen. And then I decided to actually start for myself because that was quite a big period of, in my life which had a huge change for me. Mm-hmm. And I felt, well, I've learned all this stuff about coaching. I love working with people. I love helping them to really further develop themselves. Mm -hmm. And at the same time in that period, I also started to developing some of my spiritual abilities and having strong connection with spirit and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I ended up meditating a lot more, doing yoga and all these sorts of things. So for myself, I was growing as a result of that too. Yeah. And um, then I started my business. And then in 2008, nine, I think it was around, you know, the financial crisis and things like that was happening around the world. Um, and I didn't have the right strategies in place. Mm-hmm. I, my business just didn't make it. Yeah. And, um, it, it was a very difficult time because going back to full-time work after that was huge. Yeah. That was a big, big struggle for me. I saw that really as, okay, I'm definitely not good at this stuff, but I really want it. And I have no idea what I'm doing. So I may just, just give up really. Yeah. So, and then I ended up back in the corporate world. And, um, you know, worked in the executive leadership space. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also already had done my uh, vocational education qualification. So I ended up working for different registered training organizations as a consultant. And I did leadership training through them. Yeah, great. So again, it's one of those things. And thank you for sharing, because I think what can often happen is when someone is considering working for themselves starting their own thing there's a few different approaches that can happen I think one of them is that if you get past the original hurdle of thinking and questioning can I really do this and you actually crack into it there can be this great sense of the bubble of possibility and I know Mm -hmm. I've definitely uh, have been and occasionally revisit that bubble um, of just being so excited about it and um, backing myself and having that that belief that I can make this happen, mm-hmm. that we're not bringing all of the strategic thinking and the objective thinking that we would in a in our employed role to a project or whatever. And so we just dive into it. And as you said, without the right kinds of strategies or support or or, uh, clarity and things in place, no matter how passionate you are about something, you're giving yourself a really hard time of of making it work. And I think that that's something that 
whilst I really want to encourage people to work for themselves if that's where they're called, I also want to make sure that there is that cautionary tale of don't dive in blind because even though you're awesome and you have great gifts and things and value to give to the world, you also need to be a bit strategic in what it actually takes to run a business. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. You're absolutely right. You know, and and that often happens because we love what we do. Yeah. And we just want to make it work. Yes. You know, and I've done it a few times, (laughs) to be honest. Yes. At one time. Yep. So it's, it's, but the passion is there and that Mm -hmm. drive is there to make it work. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it doesn't work, not just because you haven't got the strategies in place or you haven't got the right people in place, but it may also not happen because you're not exactly doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So for me, that's also really important that you really find that piece that makes you so light up and joyful and and excited that you can't wait to serve people with that yeah and as you, you know, said earlier physical product or whether that's a service mm-hmm. if you don't have that it doesn't matter also who you work with to yeah. get your strategies in place it will still not work yes yes totally agree and as you said earlier you know everything happens for a reason because even with what we've heard about your pathway so far Mm-hmm. You, even your various sidesteps and different things that you've done, they're all informing you in different ways about things that you like, things that you don't like, uh, and, and things that you can apply in a different way in your work life or personal life. So nothing's ever wrong or um, broken or the, just the, the wrong way to go. It's, mm-hmm. it's on the way to where you're going. And sometimes, like you said about you know the EA role, of you know that happened because it opened up a relationship opportunity for you and yes. if you just tried to overanalyze or uh, you know take things really in a linear kind of pathway then mm. those things may get missed yes so absolutely. i think it's important that you kind of you know are not too hard on yourself on m- making the perfect decision just to follow your instinct and I'm sure you'll share more about things that people can do when they're on this sort of pathway to be curious. If you're curious about something, then what's a step you could take down that path without attachment of this is, has to be the perfect thing before I take that move? Mm, yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that's, you know, it's all about following your, your own gut feeling as well in that process mm. or your intuition, you know, because that's something that, I've definitely learned over the years is to rely on that more so yes. than what your headspace is saying at times. Yes. And I think a lot of people, myself included, will have heard you say that and heard others talk about the importance of trusting and following your intuition and mm. want to do that but not necessarily know how to do it. So I think yeah. that will definitely be something that we'll, we'll dive into a bit later in the conversation, but I'm mm. keen to sort of work out. So you've you've gone, you've dabbled in doing your own thing, then you've gone back to corporate. Uh, but what is it that you're actually doing for work now? So very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> and this is absolutely my joy, my love. It's, yeah, it lights me up to no end and I'm really enjoying what I do. So at the moment I work with people who 
started to figure out that they do have that place, what we call intuition. Mm -hmm. They may have experienced certain senses that other people may not experience, Yeah, but they don't know where to go with this and they feel really stuck. Um, so I help them to tune into themselves, teach them how to utilize their intuition, how to get to it and then have a solid connection with their inner voice, mm -hmm. which for me is all about soul to soul connection. Yeah. So we learn what our soul voice sounds like compared to our human voice. And then we start to listen more to our soul voice to get the guidance from that, because that really is, in my opinion, what we need to start listening to, mm -hmm. to have a much better experience in this lifetime. And I utilize intuitive guidance, animal communication, um, spiritual guidance to help people to actually get to that place to start being rather than doing. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued about finding out more about this. And I'm also the, uh, I guess, the journalist in me is kind of going, <laughs> hang on, how, how do we go from finance industry mm -hmm. into literally intuition and soul-to-soul -soul connection? Yeah. Yes, we had the introduction of the leadership coaching, but still it, it seems like it's a, a um, it's a, a different pathway. How did you get to that place? Because I can tell the way you talk about it that it is your joy and it does light you up. And I know that for a lot, a lot of people that are listening or that are at that kind of transition point, wanting to do something of their own, wanting to do something that does feel meaningful, but maybe they're not sure exactly what that is for them yet. How did you figure that out? Well, it all started at the same time as I was in the, in the finance industry. And um, it was something that I've actually struggled with myself for many, many years, probably since about 2005, six. Um, it, it started to open up at the same time, actually, when I decided I wanted to divorce and, and, and really stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. And um, initially it was all about my hands not feeling right. Your and hands? I my hands. They, they started to tingle and heat up and cold and feeling really big. And I went to the doctors and they said there's nothing wrong with them. And I go, well, there must be, must be my nervous system somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then my mom actually at the time said to me, well, I think there's something more going on that you can actually understand right now. So she guided me through to actually help me to release energy that I had stuck in my body and my hands were the way to do that. So hang on. And, yeah. So had you known that your mum was, I guess, into and had this awareness and ability around energy and, and all of that? Or was this something that was new to you when you started sharing with her what you were experiencing? I knew she was doing all that stuff, but mm -hmm. I never tapped into it. Okay. I was never really asking questions around it, never asked her for help in that way. Mm -hmm. And what I was experiencing, I never even thought to go to mom and say, hey, you know, this is what's happening. Is there anything that you can help with? Yeah, right. It wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. 
So that and that's also for me an indication at the time how much I was in my human state. Yes. Rather than truly being connected to me. Yeah. And so so one then I started working with all of that and that's when I did my uh, master Reiki uh, qualification and attunement as well. And then I worked with family, friends, you know, and, and practicing the Reiki energy healing, which is a form of energy that comes through um, from source and universal energy. So I'm the conduit for healing energy and it's applied through my hands. Mm -hmm. So I can hover my hands over someone's body or over an animal and the energy comes through my hands into the body to apply that healing that they need in that, in that moment, which can help with, you know, getting back into balance, removing aches and pains, things like that relaxation it's really really beautiful it's almost like a massage without using your hands on the body so yeah. yeah so uh, how how is your mind processing this new way of being this whole different side of uh, a way to operate given that you come from yeah finance industry yeah. which you know as you said is sort of very structured um, very mainstream, all of that, and now you're in a zone where you're literally talking about and feeling energy from people's bodies. Yes. I, it, it didn't. My mind was completely trying to compute what was going on. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> where do I, where, what box do I put this into? <laughs> exactly. You know, I was overanalyzing everything uh -huh. and I kept asking why and what is this and how and why me and all this sort of stuff. Because once I started learning about that world, um, it, it so much came up for me and I actually ended up in quite a deep depression because I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. I mm -hmm. didn't know why I had it. And yeah, it, it was just all too much. Yeah. Plus still working in a career that did not even match yeah. what I was going through personally in that sense. So mm -hmm. that was quite a big, huge challenge for me. And it wasn't until about 2011 when I was walking in a nature reserve with a friend of mine where I was actually approached by a snake who told me I needed to go out into the world and bring animals and people together and teach them. Okay, Bianca, I've got to stop you there <laughs> because my role is I need to play the respectful cynic and yes, journalist. Course. So when you say that you were approached by a snake and the snake told you this and you're on this lovely walk and then all of a sudden you're just in this communication with a snake, again, how did you actually receive that? How did you know that that was what was going on? How did you respond? What? How does that actually happen? Yeah, it was very, very weird for me because when I started doing the Reiki, what happens is with that, that you actually start to open up different channels as well. So before the snake even approached me, I had all other stuff happening, but I couldn't really comprehend what it was. Uh -huh. And as I was doing that walk with, with my friend, we actually stopped, we sat down and we had our lunch and just enjoying nature. And we were really quiet just with ourselves, our own thoughts. And all of a sudden I heard this voice in my head and it asked me, hello, can you hear me? 
And initially I thought my friend was saying something. And so I asked, I go, did you just say something? She goes, no, I didn't. Okay. So I ignored it, kept eating and just enjoying nature. And again, hello, can you hear me? And that happened about three times until the last time was quite pushy going, hello, hello, can you hear me? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay. So in my mind, I was answering back going, okay, yeah, I can. But what is this? Who are you? You know, you're in my head now I'm going nuts. (laughs) Like (laughs) having to deal with (laughs) all these energies and learning about this. Now I'm hearing things as well. This is just going too crazy. Uh And so I just automatically just, started having that conversation and the snake goes, well, you need to go out into the world and making sure that you bring animals and humans together and teach them how they need to connect. And I said, well, that's a big ask. I've never done that before. You know, what do I do? And he goes, you know what to do. And I go, well, I don't believe that I'm actually talking to you. (laughs) And he goes, well, I'm a snake. And I go, yeah, well, that's wonderful, but I want to see you. And he says, no, I'm not going to come forward because your friend is afraid of snakes and I don't want to upset her. So I'm not coming forward. He goes, just go out into the world and do your job. And then he took off. And I was just sitting there completely mind blown. And my friend looks at me and she goes, your face just went into all different shapes and colors and sizes. What just happened? Something happened. So she, all this conversation has been happening in your mind, in head. like that inner voice that we all have, but you were actually in a yeah. conversation with something, exactly. someone. And so she's not hearing anything, but she's observing and potentially feeling a bit of a shift in your yes. vibe and energy. Yeah. What did you, did you tell her? I asked her, I go, well, I've had the most weird experience that I can't even get my head around. I go, but I do have a question for you. I go, are you afraid of snakes? And she just looked at me, her eyes wide open. She turned white as a ghost, jumps up, looks around frantically and scared. And I'm like, oh dear. Mm -hmm. I said, look, there is no snake. He's already gone. But that was my validation because I never knew she was afraid of snakes. Yeah. Never told me she lived in the bush. And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make, not a good choice. (laughs) No. And then on the way back, we actually had a couple of other lizards that then also popped into my mind with their voices. And when I came home that afternoon, I had two dogs at the time and they ran to the door as dogs do to greet you. Mm -hmm. And one of them stops. He sits down. He looks me straight in the eye and he goes, oh my God, you can finally hear me. (gasps) And all this information came over me and I was like, whoa, mate, stop this. I have no idea what this is. I can't cope. This is too much. Let me just sit down for a minute. (laughs) Bianca, that just gave me all goosebumps. Yeah, because he was for years trying to get to tell his story, to Mm -hmm. tell what he wanted to share with me. Mm -hmm. Because I knew this because for years he would sit opposite me and just stare, you know. So, and that just opened the floodgates. Wowzers. Yeah. And then I was like, what do I do with this? What is this? How do I do this? Um, And yeah, so I had to sort of get my head around it all, found other people that talk to animals, like, you know, Dr. Doolittles and stuff like that. I was going to say, like, how how do you do that? Do you just Google online? I just started Googling. Yeah. Just started, you know, all sorts of terminology came to my mind. So. And then I found a lady here in Sydney and had a conversation with her over the phone. And she goes, you know what? I'm actually got a course on for a weekend. Why don't you come to that? And then we can get some practical um, 
exercises in there for you so that both your spiritual and your human side can come to terms with this. Yeah. And that's what I did. And, um, and that made it for me very tangible. And the fact that I could practice with my dogs was very unique. But then I also started just walking around, you know, in parks with the dogs and whatnot. And also I could hear all these other dogs walking. And, and Do you know what's coming to mind for me? And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Is, have you seen, it's an old movie, but have you seen the Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want? Yes. It's and, like that. Right. That, that's exactly what I'm imagining you're going through, but it's with animals and it, yeah. you can just sort of hear. Okay. So... You've got this this newfound gift, this ability, and you're still doing this other job. Yeah. How how have you sort of transitioned or incorporated this work into your work life? Great question. Yeah, when when the animal communication started, I was working for a registered training organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all in leadership training. And so it was very much for me behind the scenes just doing this you know, for myself, Mm -hmm. didn't talk to anyone about it. But then I got to work for a company who it's almost like they have monthly roundtables with all senior executives and and business owners. And they have one CEO or ex-CEO who's then the chair of that group. Um, And I was responsible for training those chairs and coaching them Mm -hmm. to run these groups. That was the first workplace where I actually slowly, slowly started to introduce spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. And I was so in my element talking to them about that, but then in their words, because you can't call it spiritual leadership, because then they would all walk out the door. That was going to be my next question. How do you actually do that for these types of people? So I used words like, you know, use your gut feeling. I'm sure you know about gut feeling, mm-hmm. I would say. And mm-hmm. then they would go, yeah, 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 we've had that before. And I go, okay, great. Well, that means that you're leading from within when you start listening to that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I had to do it in those sort of terms. Yeah. But in effect, it was all about, you know, tap into your spiritual side to help your team move forward. Sort mm-hmm. of yeah. And that was a job I was actually made redundant a few years later. I worked there for about three years. Oh. And um, at the same time, I started writing my book around animal communication, spiritual awakening, because I felt what I go through, other people may go through. Yeah. And I felt this needs to go out there because I want to help other people overcome this. I don't want them to go through the struggle that I've been through. Because I imagine and... that, you know, on many levels, you know, maybe there's part of it that it would be really exciting to kind of go, wow, this is this whole world of possibility I've never imagined that I've now get the unique ability to tap into and I also imagine there'd be a lot of um, fear and uncertainty and, and uh, overwhelm. And so yes. all of those, you know, range of emotions coming up for you whilst you're uh, trying to, to process everything yeah. and Absolutely. maintain a full-time job and live yeah. life in the human realm uh, yeah, sure. as well. Sure. So then you're made redundant mm. and... So was that the opportunity that then went, okay, maybe I'm going to make this communication uh, my focus for the work or how did that happen? I was already doing this very, very Mm part-time around my full-time job. So I started working, you know, with friends, animals, and then I got some references and 
um, referrals. So yeah. you sort of slowly start to build that up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, there's something in this. I'm loving what I do. Um, this could be my other opportunity to start my own business again. Mm -hmm. And so when I was made redundant, initially it was quite a hit because, you know, my ego was very, very bruised and attacked. Yeah. Because I was let go. You're no longer needed. You basically shoved on the sideline. Yeah. I sort of saw it coming because we got a new CEO on board and we just did not hit it off from the beginning. Right. And um, so about six to eight months later after she started, she actually called me in and said, look, we're restructuring the business and your role is no longer relevant and needed. And I'm like, well, that can't be. You know, you've got so many of these coaches out there. <laughs> they all need to be supported. So, yeah. but anyhow, so yeah, but then she gave me a week to think about what I wanted to do. But in effect, she didn't leave me a choice. But it was more about the package and how I wanted to exit. Mm -hmm. And I just sat in meditation one morning and I said, look, this is really almost the end of the world for me. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? And I was sitting there, you know what? It's actually not the end of the world. I have an opportunity to accept a lovely package yeah. to walk away with. And I'm definitely secure for the next couple of months at least. Yeah. And so why not make this work? Mm. Let's just jump. Let's yeah. just do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been standing on this big, massive rock to fly off for a long time. And, and that was my opportunity. And that sort of helped as well to ease the shock and yeah. the disappointment and, you know, the, yeah, the hurt that you feel when you're in that position. Yeah, and, and look, um, I'm glad yeah. that you that you shared that aspect of it because I think it could be easy for, for someone to hear your story and kind of go, oh, wow, you just got this, you, you got a great little payout, but you, were, you know, you want to go and do this thing anyway, so that would have been fantastic for you. And, yes, in many ways I'm sure there were those elements as you arrived at. Mm. Um, however, there's still the reality of processing the role being made redundant and what you make that mean about you and how that impacts and plays out in the choices that you make and even how you think about that time and and talk to others about it and it's one mm -hmm. of those things that you know unfortunately for many people and and in fact only yesterday I was having an online chat with someone who you know was saying that actually it's a real issue for women that are in that 40 plus zone where redundancies can happen and if you haven't seen it coming and you don't have a plan in place and then you're suddenly scrambling to to get something happening it can be very distressing and yeah. so I think it's one of those things that that you know we have to be appropriately aware of the way that the world works and that it can sometimes be exactly as you've shared as simple as a new CEO or a new GM or a new whoever line manager coming in that doesn't gel with you that can mean that you're suddenly uh, in a situation where the role is being questioned and phased out. Yeah, and, and exactly. you know, that has um, an impact with how you process that, I guess. I guess. Yeah, definitely. And, and you, like I said, you know, you sort of see it coming and some people probably see it coming very clearly. So they might already have things in place or start looking elsewhere. But I, I had that 
I didn't, that didn't even enter my mind. Yeah. I always thought, okay, well, we don't get along, but on an everyday basis, it's bearable. Mm -hmm. So as long as I can get my work done, you know, then that's okay. And as long as I'm still doing a good job and delivering on outcomes. Exactly. Exactly. And I thought, well, then I can just leave on my own account, maybe next year. Mm -hmm. That was sort of my, my way of thinking, but the universe had a different plan for me. Yes. And that's how I look at it now. You know, you are being presented with opportunities and hidden gifts, which this was, that you are being slowly directed onto the path that you need to walk. Yeah. And now that I look back at that, it's like, yeah, well, that was a massive big, you know, hint to say, (laughs) just jump and fly. Yeah. You're you're ready for this. You have to do this. And even if it's so bloody scary, even to this day, like this afternoon, I was talking to a co- to my business coach and um, we're working on a particular strategy at the moment. And I'm like, this is scary stuff. Yeah. She goes, are you kidding me? She goes, every day I'm shit scared. She, <laughs> says, <laughs> she says, but we're doing this, right? She goes, because we love what we do. And I go, yeah, absolutely. But that's why it's so scary as well at the same time. Yeah, when so you care. I, I guess all the stuff that I've done throughout my career in the corporate world, I never really felt that it was scary. Mm-hmm. I just did it. I never yeah. even thought twice about it. Yeah. Whereas all the stuff that I'm doing now, it's like, oh my God, really? am I really doing this? Oh my God. You know, what if it doesn't work out? And then what this and what that, but then you tap it, tap into yourself and it's like, that's exactly what you need to be doing. Yeah. And even though you may feel a little bit scared, you just have to go and do it because you will be okay. And you're fully supported. So, and that's, that's a different way of approaching what you do, yet you still need to have people around you that can help you with some of this structure that you need, um, which I now know definitely every single person needs that in their business to, to really make an impact for yourself, but also for those around you. Yeah. If you don't have that structure, you're just pedaling in the deep end. Yes. And so with that in mind, is there something that you wish you knew or you did earlier in the working for yourself transition? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably also because I'm quite stubborn I want to do things all by myself. Yes. I, know, oh, I can do this by myself. I don't need any help. Yes. Right? But the last two years has really shown me that it's okay. I can have help and it's not bad to have help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're not, we're not a worse person for it. To yeah. Ask for help. So, and that's something I've had to learn the hard way in the last couple of years mm-hmm. to, to just really have that. And it's not just one person. You know, being part of, of a network of people mm-hmm. who are like-minded, that you yeah. can call your tribe, yeah. where you can, you know, get advice, you can give advice. You're basically having that back and forth communication of support is very, very important too. Yeah. And having friends around you that support you, they may not understand what you do, but because they love you, they still support what you do. Mm. And you know, how have people in your your world responded to this move of you working for yourself and you doing uh, this intuitive work that you're doing? Mm. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. um, 
some of them do understand because they are very curious and they are learning about the spiritual side of things Mm -hmm. and they ask questions and how does this work and how does that work and how does it feel for you? But then there's others as well who absolutely support me no matter what I do because they love me but they have no idea and they can't, they don't even understand it. They don't even want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So they will not even ask, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's okay. And yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I do the same for them as well. Like you full, fully support people. I'm probably more curious in asking questions around it. But if, for me, it's, it's all about everybody has their own journey and it's all in their time. Mm. So when people are ready, I mean, yes, it is out of left field. It's very out of the box. It's unique. And it can be scary for people too. Because what I have noticed is that it's not that people find it perhaps strange or odd or it's a silly thing that I do or, you know, they, they may need to lock me up in some sort of institution <laughs> because of what I do because I see, hear and feel things. Yes. But it's probably more from a fear-based perspective that they respond in those ways too because they have no idea what it is and they're quite scared of it. Yes, and I think that um, in lots of ways, even if someone is not, I guess, working in this uncharted kind of area where it is outside of the mainstream work world, Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with me describing it that way, Um, even when people are not necessarily doing that, but then they are making a change, even just to work for themselves instead of being employed, Yes, that can actually trigger other people in their lives quite a lot because not everybody is geared up to work for themselves. Not everybody understands it and it can make people feel quite fearful. And so again, that links back to your comment around the importance of seeking out the support and the help that you need Mm -hmm. to set up and run and grow your business and also being part of a network of having access to a community of people who do get the world of working for yourself, even if they don't communicate with animals, they understand the world of the importance of marketing and and, uh, all of the things that come with having to run your own business. And in fact, a client that um, I've been working with, one of the struggles that she has had in the last several years of running her business is that none of her friends have their own business. They're all employed Mm -hmm. and none of them show any interest in her business. None of them want to talk about it. None of them care. So she socially, you know, still enjoys catching up with them. But there is part Mm -hmm. of her that is not being nurtured and acknowledged and supported in that group and so it's really important for her to go and find her tribe to find her people that she can have those sorts of conversations with because otherwise it can be very isolating absolutely yeah 100 percent and and not to mention people asking me like so are you okay then because you're running your own business like are you okay what do you think they mean by that it's not very secure it's Uh not very secure and i go what do you mean secure Mm. you know it's it's I think for a lot of people, the mindset is still, if you don't work for someone else's organization, you're not in a secure job. Yeah. Right? So I think that that old thinking, those old beliefs are still there. Yeah. And But in this day and age, nothing is really secure. No. You know? And I think to, to link it to your point, 
about triggering people's fears, I feel like when people say things like that, it actually is really reflective of that they are getting some kind of false sense of security in being employed and the thought of not having that makes them feel afraid and therefore they're assuming that you would be feeling that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everything that people say in that regard is, yeah, is so, at some level a reflection of what they go through, mm. you know. Um, it, it's been a huge adjustment, you know, for my wife as well to mm-hmm. for me to be in this business because yeah. it, security is key, you know, and, and it also deals with a lot of values that people have on yeah. how they see this. But on, on the other hand, I mean, I also work two days a week for an entrepreneur college mm-hmm. where I mentor people. And for me, that's it, it's on a contract basis. I love the work. I'm still serving people. I'm coaching and mentoring others. Yes. It's all in alignment. Mm-hmm. So, and it gives me just an extra level of income, but it's also a diversity of income, right? Yes. So is it secure? No. If I don't do my job well, then I'm going to be out there as well. Yeah. You know, but the same for my business. Is it secure? Well, it's as secure as I can make it. Yes. If I don't do my job well, I'm going to lose clients. I'm going to be out of business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and that's with everything. Like you said, if you don't do your job well, you're out. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And And I think it's also, you know, the fact that you've got this uh, uh, consistent contract work I'm a real fan of the hybrid model of having a diversity of revenue streams because nothing really is certain in the world, mm-hmm. as well as you know giving that, uh, I guess, more predictable potentially, depending on your business model, but more predictable revenue of knowing you know where you need to be and what you're earning and all of that kind mm-hmm. of thing. There's also benefits from, as you said, the diversity of the type of work that you're doing and the people that you're interacting with that I think is invaluable. And again, yeah. it was part of a, an online chat conversation yesterday with someone who has been working for herself for a couple of years and you know, still refining exactly you know, what she's offering and as is natural and does happen. And I think has been getting to the point of feeling like the consistency of income from her business isn't where it needs to be given her life stage and she's got some young kids and things like that. And so she's grappling, and this is her language, she's grappling with the idea of getting some kind of part-time work. And Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to sort of look at the language that she was using of bringing that feeling of that means that she's failed And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that she's not good at what she does and all those kinds of not helpful inner critic dialogue coming out. And so I guess I was very quick to sort of jump in and be offering a different perspective around the benefit of potentially introducing some different uh, income into her world and that that doesn't have to mean that she's failed at all. Mm -mm. No, exactly, exactly. You know, because initially I, I thought as well, like, oh, I'll just have that side hassle as just a temporary thing until the business makes enough money. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not just about that. Yeah. It, it's also about, 
I mean, for me personally, I love the variety. Yes. So that definitely nurtures that part of me. Yeah. You know, and it's still in alignment with what I do, which is mentoring and teaching and coaching people. Yeah. You know, whether that's in the spiritual realm or in this case for upcoming entrepreneurs, because I help them to find their purpose, what they love doing, and then create a business out of that. Mm-hmm. So it's still working with their inner being. Yes. Um, that is something I would love to highlight too, that if you are in that situation where you are looking for that side hustle to either nurture another element of you that, that you feel needs nurturing or it is for you know additional income, make sure that you do find something that you will also love because otherwise you're going to hate it. Yeah. And you're not going to enjoy it and then that will impact your core business as well. Yeah, agree. And and that feeling of alignment of the type of work and how you're doing it and, and fundamentally, I guess, how you're adding value in the world, I think, um, is a factor to consider and, and not just going, oh, I'm, I, I hate this but I'm doing it for the money. That yeah. I always think is a very short-term strategy. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Bianca, how can people, because obviously you and I could just chat about this all day. Oh, yes. But <laughs> how can people find out more about what you do? How can they connect with you? Where should they go to find out more about you? Well, I've got my website, mm-hmm. which is com, but I also hang out on Facebook a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my tribe is on Facebook. Yep particular you know people who love their animals yeah so uh, that's the first place that they go and um so yeah just under bianca de rose um, i've got my facebook page there and i also have a group there as well okay great and we will definitely put the links to both of those in the show notes so that that's easy for people to just click and and find out more about about you and your work so as we start to wrap up bianca do you have any other thoughts on final tips or words of wisdom from the being on the other side of making this transition to working for yourself that we haven't shared yet that could be of benefit? Yeah, thank you. Um, the thing that comes to mind is the place where you have your business. Okay. It's um, in particular when you have a service-based business. I mean, these days as well with products, obviously everything is online mm-hmm. uh, most of the time for us. Um, if you do have a shop front, then you're already finding your place of business in a location that you obviously love and it's, you know, viable and all that sort of thing. However, if you have an online business, most of the time I hear people are actually just working from their home office and that's it. Right. That's where they sit all day. That's where they, you know, are creative. That's where they, they do the, the service for their clients. That's where they upload all the products online and things like that. But what I have found is that it is so rewarding and adding so much value to your creativity for your business and for yourself to take yourself away from your home office. Mm-hmm. You know, go to a cafe, go to a park, wherever it is that's outside of your home environment, find a co-working space. Yeah. Um, meet up with perhaps one or two other people and you meet up maybe at someone else's house and you sit together around the table you all do your own work but you still interact and you can ask questions or fire challenges off each other or any of that stuff it makes such a big difference because when you sit at home all this time by yourself it can be extremely boring (laughs) but not only that 
it doesn't add to your creativity yeah. and your flow. You need to have that energy flow, you know, and that really allows you to, to think differently and to come up with new ideas. And when you then have that connection with other people at the same time, that even elevates that further. And the other thing that's really important as well is your self-care. <laughs> self-care is huge. You know, go out for a walk, have your breaks, eat well. You know, yes, okay, you can have some alcohol, but reduce the alcohol if you feel that you might be drinking a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just make sure that you nurture your physical body in the right way so that you are healthy, but also in the most powerful you to be able to keep doing what you love doing. Yeah. So if you don't do that, it's not going to last. Yeah, it's so important because I think a lot of people that perhaps are in a corporate environment and they have either have a side gig that they're fostering and they're seeing that as their next uh, major work focus, it's very easy to fantasize about, oh, it'll be fantastic just being able to work from home and I won't have to deal with the commute and the traffic and all of that. But the reality of only working uh, from home by yourself all the time is very different for most people and I think mm. that it's it's uh, another one of those um, don't get caught up in the the brochure you know side of things that you know be aware of some of the reality of the the downsides as well of the potential isolation just working from home and looking for what those other options are and I know that financial commitments can be something that people are very cautious about when they're first in business and so potentially getting your own office space or even uh, going to a co-working space maybe financially that's not something that you're wanting to do straight away but as you've suggested there's lots of other ways that you can open your horizons connect with different people that don't have to cost you a whole lot of money and the, the benefit on the sense of connection and creativity is tenfold to what it would cost you for you know a coffee or lunch or or whatever it might be. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. last year I went um, to a friend's house and there was three of us and mm-hmm. we just brought our laptops and we did a bit of work and then we ended up talking about a specific topic that um, one of them raised. And then we ended up, you know, pulling cards and we did um, uh, energy checking and whatever else we did yes. <laughs> to, to solve a particular challenge. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun at the same time. And you know, you really have people around you that can add different ideas for you. And perspective outside of your own head. Absolutely. <laughs> so important. Very yeah. important. Great. Yeah. Great tips. Thank you so much, Bianca. It was so great talking with you and sharing, you know, the various twists and turns uh, so far in your work life and the diff- different mm-hmm. transitions that you have done. And I'm really excited for you that you're on this path of really immersing into something that gives you so much joy and uh, taps into your unique gift. So I really look forward to seeing how you continue to grow and reach more people. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was absolutely my pleasure. It was lovely talking to you. And uh, yeah, I hope, you know, some of my story can inspire other people as well. I have no doubt that it will. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Transit Lounge podcast and got some great insights that you can apply to your own situation. 
And if you are a woman who's had a successful career, but now things have changed in whatever way and you're starting to think about the next phase of your work life and wanting to transition into working for yourself and starting your own business, then I would love for you to come and connect. Join us in the private Facebook group, which is called career change, start and grow your own business. I'd love you to come and connect there so that you can have a group of people that you can connect with to bounce ideas, get insights for people that perhaps are either further along the journey than you to ask your questions, share your wins, share your challenges. So please come and connect in the group and I look forward to seeing you there.